Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Leviticus 24 and 25. What can you learn from looking at the laws of a nation? I mean, what difference is that going to make in your life? Because I'm pretty sure I don't have any kings listening to this podcast today. I'm even pretty sure I don't know of any legislators that are listening to this podcast today. And if they are, they're just one of usually several people and some people who are opposed to them who have to come together to make the laws. So what benefit is it for us to look at some of these laws for Old Testament Israel when it's like, well, it's not like I get to make laws for my country. What do we do with this? Well, I think there is a level at which this can influence how we think about what laws should be made in our uh, country and principles that can apply to that. But what I really want to focus most on today is there's actually two things that jump out to me from what may seem like an obscure and interesting law from a society a long, long time ago in a part of the world that's far, far away that should help us think about today. Uh, Let's look now at Leviticus 24 and 25. The first two things that we see aren't really necessarily related to the laws of the nation, but they are things continuing a discussion of the tabernacle, giving instruction on the lamp um, that is in the holy place, most likely that this is burning and is to be kept burning. Uh, And then the bread for the tabernacle. Remember, there's a table for bread in the tabernacle. And it's interesting that there are two piles of six loaves that are made. Hmm, the number 12, where could that possibly be significant? Oh yeah, the 12 tribes of Israel. So you see this provision of bread for the 12 tribes of Israel that then is to be eaten by the priests after that they have been in the tabernacle. And I do think when we consider these pictures of light and bread, I can't read these without my mind jumping ahead to Jesus. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. And just think even about that image of bread in particular and how this was a provision for the priests. There were 12 loaves. Jesus says he is the bread of life. What we truly need is God. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the one who can ultimately fulfill the hunger of our souls. And we need to remember that because we will be tempted by many other things. And we need to keep coming back to the bread of life because he alone can satisfy Now we start to get into some laws and even in a situation where they had to apply the laws, where this person who was an Israelite woman's son, but his father was an Egyptian, he blasphemes God. And they try to figure out, what should we do? And God speaks to Moses and says, this guy needs to be stoned. But that was one of the laws for the nation of Israel, that blasphemy should be punished by death. 
And then we get into a discussion about right judgments and right penalties. And this comes back to something we've already seen in Exodus, this principle of an eye for an eye. And if we just tried to sum that up, it's a simple principle that the punishment should fit the crime. And really, I think the heart behind this is not, hey, let's get the criminals. It's actually uh, protection that no, don't give more of a punishment than is deserved. Now, in context here, this punishment of death is deserved here for blasphemy in the nation of Israel. But then we get into all of these other uh, things like fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. Whoever kills a person shall be put to death. So I think a principle here is Christians should desire. And I think in a country like ours, we have to be realistic about what our impact is, but we do have opportunity uh, to to vote and, and sometimes to potentially shape these things. We uh, should hope for laws that reflect biblical uh, justice. And I think we will be better off when our society has uh, punishments that fit the crime. And so one punishment we see here is that of the death penalty. And even going back to what we read all the way back in Genesis 9, it seems pretty clear that God is saying that one time for the death penalty is murder. That you you take the life of an image bearer, your life is forfeit. And I think it's become more popular for Christians to try to act like the death penalty is an unchristian thing. The problem is I don't think that's the solution you come to if you just read the Bible, especially a passage like Genesis 9. But on the other hand, Christians should be aware that if we study the history of the world, guess what? The death penalty has not always been applied justly. And that's what we see here in this idea of an eye for an eye. So Christians, as they have opportunity, should be trying to support, no, we want just laws that include just and fair punishments that that, that could include, okay, yeah, the death penalty, there is a time for that, but also seek to protect, no, we should not have punishments that go beyond the crime. And obviously that could go into a whole complex discussion about various crimes in our country today, but I think we see some broad principles here in this passage. But then we get into something that is probably a little more obscure, but I think gives us two principles that shouldn't just shape how we think about uh, justice or how we think about laws in our country, but that really should affect our attitude just as we try to live life with the people around us. And this is going to come mostly from uh, chapter 25, with one of the biggest features of this chapter is this year of Jubilee. So you start off with, not only was there a Sabbath day, but there was a Sabbath year, where every seven years you should let the land rest. And then after seven sets of seven, after 49 years, you should have this extra year, or they call it this year of Jubilee. Uh, Verse 11, that 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. And this gets interesting because I'm not aware of any equivalent like this, definitely not in our society or anywhere in the world today, but this jubilee year, it's a year of rest, another year of rest for the land, but also it seems to be something of a reset button uh, within the economy of 
the, the people of Israel, where, where there's land or things that revert back to their owner or freedom given to uh, certain people in that time. And again, this seems so distant from us. I'm not suggesting, hey, you know, you should write your congressman and, and let's try to get a year of jubilee in the United States. That's not what I'm saying, but there are two principles that if you look at everything throughout chapter 25 that I think come up frequently and they are trust and generosity. Trust and generosity. And these are things that even though you are not a king, even though you're probably not a legislator, uh, these are things that just as you look at how should I live my life today, whether I'm looking at my neighbors, my family, especially my my church that I'm gathering with, how should I view things? How should I treat other people? Well, we should be filled with trust and generosity. And, and trust shows up really just in the principle that throughout a lot of this, there's this principle of rest. Uh, you take a Sabbath year, let the land rest. And then in the year of Jubilee, that, that's another year of rest. And the text comments on this. In chapter 25, verse 20, it says, And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may not sow or gather in our crop? That's a fair question. What are we going to eat? Verse 21, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. So if you're nervous about this jubilee, and wait, that's a lot of time to let the land rest. God says, no, I'm going to give you a crop that's sufficient for three years years. Well, that's that's a pretty incredible promise. And the same principle does apply to you. One of the biggest reasons why people don't rest, even today, rest in a right and godly way. I mean, you need to rest every day. You need to sleep. You should rest, I think, every week. Even there's seasons for more rest in your life. And one of the reasons people don't rest well is because they don't trust well. They're not trusting God to supply what they need. And so resting is not something that they do well. How do you rest? Do you rest? Are you able each day to say, okay, I'm going to let things go and I need to sleep or even once a week to say, hey, I'm going to let things go and I'm not going to focus on all this work stuff. I'm going to rest and even focus on the Lord. Are you able to do that? Because you're trusting in God. Remember Psalm 127, it is vain those who rise up early and go late to rest unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, and he gives to his beloved sleep. We need rest, but in order for us to rest, we need trust. That's one of the principles here. The other principle is generosity. That does seem to be part of this bigger picture of this year of Jubilee. It was a way to help people that needed help to, to keep things somewhat in balance. So you don't just get people that continually accumulate more and more and more and others that just accumulate less and less and less. And that's where you, maybe you get nervous and say, whoa, what is this? Um, we need to remember this is God's idea. There's a lot of bad ideas out there in the world and especially in the history of the world about how to try to balance out an economy. This was God's idea for the people of Israel. So this specific idea, I can tell you, is a good one. But part of the heart of it is a generosity. And you see that even just in as it talks about what to do with someone who needs to redeem their property. What do you do with someone who is 
poor. And it says you should treat them as though they were a stranger or a sojourner, right? Don't exact interest from them. If there's someone that you know that is in need, this is not an opportunity for you then to make money off of them. Oh, sure, I'll help you out to my own benefit and ultimately in a way that might impoverish you even more. Uh, No, we should seek to be generous people. Uh, So some of these are laws for a broader society that you may not be able to do this, but you can reflect that principle of, of generosity. When someone that I know needs help, I want to help them. And it's not, well, I'm going to help them so that I can benefit and prosper from it. No, no, I want to help them. So I hope you can see looking at these ancient laws for a society that seems so different for us and even something that seems so different as the year of Jubilee. I hope today you think, well, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to show that by resting and I want to be generous. And as I look in my community and in my church, and I see my brothers in in need, I want to do what I can do to help. I hope that these laws actually do make a difference in our lives. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.